we started to feel like we were trying to paint a painting while still designing the paintbrush. And that's where we're at right now. It's like you're creating in a medium that is still being created. And this is important because this is our opportunity to define this medium. And the weight of that responsibility is huge because this is a massive technological revolution that is happening before our eyes, similar to the likeness of the transition from print to digital. I'm not kidding. I am fully bought in that that is the level of transformation that we're going through right now to the point where this is going to fundamentally change people's lives. And being able to be a part of that is an incredible opportunity. Hello, and welcome to the UX and Growth Podcast. I'm Austin. I'm a UX designer at HubSpot. And I'm Casey, a UX designer and engineer at Mozilla. And today we're going to be talking about virtual reality that runs on the web and in the browser, otherwise known as WebVR. And I've got the perfect co-host for that topic. This is Casey Yee. Uh, he's currently actually building WebVR at Mozilla. And... There, he's on the team that is behind this entire technology. It's still in its infancy. It's about seven people on the team. So they're each making pretty big individual impact. So if there's anybody that's an authority to talk on WebVR, I would say it's the guy that's making it. Before that, uh, he was a senior UX engineer working on Firefox OS. He's got a background in design, development, and research. So a lot to bring to the table. Casey, thank you so much for coming on and co-hosting with me today. Yeah, super happy to be here. So WebVR is still a pretty new thing. So I think we can actually start with like the total basics, just in case there's anybody listening that isn't familiar with this. Maybe you've seen it pop up in your Twitter stream and you're hearing like influencers talking about it, but you don't know exactly what it is. We'll start there. So give us like a quick overview or definition for what WebVR is. Right. So WebVR fundamentally is, is an API that allows uh, web content to render uh, into VR and AR headsets, as well as access to various sort of inputs. Um, so for the HTC Vive, it's the hand controllers, or in the case of you know, the Google Daydream, it's the uh, little remote controller uh, one that you have. Um, but sort of beyond the sort of mechanical sort of pieces, I think the sort of bigger picture sort of value in WebVR is, um, you know, not just this ability to render content into headsets, but what the web brings into virtual reality, the medium itself. So um, at Mozilla, we're working on trying to figure out uh, what that sort of intersection looks like between web technologies and virtual reality and how to leverage uh, the best of both and um, figure out what the sort of user value in sort of web VR uh, uh, that it brings to, um, you know, the virtual reality space. Absolutely. And I think that that's one of the wonderful things about WebVR is like in the most basic terms, this is real virtual reality, full virtual reality that runs in the browser to the point where you can run this on your laptop, you can run it on your smartphone, or you can run it on your HTC Vive. It's completely working on uh, all of these different platforms. And something that I've loved is in building in WebVR, I found it to be really, really straightforward and easy. Like the barrier to entry for development with this stuff is actually pretty low. Yeah, and, and, and that's that's a intent on Mozilla's part to try to make VR development sort of accessible and easy to use. I think that's one of the hallmarks of web development, right? Uh, the, the the idea of HTML and being able to describe a scene in just sort of plain text uh, is a sort of powerful entry point into uh, content creation. We felt that um, for web VR, we wanted to create a way for uh you know, almost anyone to easily get into and get their hands dirty into VR content creation uh, through the tools that we make. 
The other aspect that you touched on was the uh, ability for web VR to work across uh, multiple different devices from your desktop through to uh, full-blown VR systems like the HTC Vive. And I think, uh, you know, this is a testament to the flexibility of the web and the browser and how we're able to um, use the various sort of features within uh, browsers to enable that kind of functionality because inherently your phone and your browser in itself doesn't actually offer any virtual reality sort of capabilities but we've been able to uh, augment the browser's capabilities um, and build in the sort of proper rendering uh, that's required to make virtual reality display possible right and responsive across all those different devices that's something that I've loved so much about this is how it is so accessible and also how with it being based on the web, two really important things are happening. The first is that you all are shipping updates to this thing all the time. WebVR is constantly growing and changing to the point where as I'm building something, I'll run into an issue where I'm like, oh, I, I can't do this right now. And then next week, you guys are pushing an update <laughs> that fixes it. Yeah. And then the second being that because the web is already such a huge and relatively matured medium, you realize that this technology can tap into things even beyond VR. For example, there are manifestations of web VR that are actually using augmented reality where it'll tap into the smartphone's camera and use a marker to create AR on a smartphone. So it's like, whoa, we just went yeah. from like blowing my mind that VR was even possible in the browser to now we've got people that are doing AR in the browser. You know, it's, it's really, uh, it's insane how rapidly it is advancing. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, a lot of that innovation actually comes from different parts of the browser. So, um, you know, the AR, for instance, is actually enabled by other web APIs that already exist, the WebRTC, and being able to, uh, uh, you know, track those markers uh, within sort of computer vision code that runs within the browser. Um, you know, it's a fantastic uh, sort of... Uh, the palette of technology that's available to us within the browser. I think, you know, uh, one thing that has um, not been apparent in sort of our regular sort of daily browser usage is the amount of technology that's in these, uh, uh, in the browser software itself uh, and, and how uh, there are sort of numerous innovations sort of within that happening. Like we, we, we not only have all like the multi sort of media capabilities for recording audio and video, but uh, we also have technologies like WebAssembly that allow you to run native code within the browser um, at uh, speeds that are equivalent to uh, running the application itself. So there's amazing um, uh, revolution happening within the browser and the technology um, that supports all that. Right, that makes web VR all the better, right? Having access to all those APIs and all those capabilities. I think that's a theme with VR in general right now, right? Is like the reason why it's actually happening this time is because all of the critical pieces are falling into place. We finally mm -hmm. have displays that are high quality enough and small enough in the smartphone or in the case of an HTC Vive, depending on how intense you want to get. We have the machine learning and uh, artificial intelligence, and we have the computing power and the inputs and all of this stuff coming together. And then in the case of WebVR with these just really, really, really matured browsers that are built on top of devices that just happen to be perfect for this stuff. It's like a, a real culmination of a bunch of important pieces of technology that like, if you look at them in isolation of each other, it's like, oh, this, this is interesting over here. Or, you know, maybe this Echo device looks like a toy or something like that. But then you realize, oh, that's actually an input device that could be used for this and all of these different things. So it is really uh, a cool convergence that's happening. No, absolutely. And then sort of beyond that, um, you know, like the nature of the web and uh, the, 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 um, the things that we appreciate um, and, and have as part of the web are, are, are also equally important here, right? So, um, you know, the, the, the flat organization, the sort of ad hoc nature of it, 
um, go where you want, when you want, and do what you want, right? There's agency involved. There's 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 freedoms that uh, the web offers that no other sort of platform does. And I think you know that is uh, why uh, web VR stands uh, to be a really interesting technology in sort of the future and, and evolution of commute, computing and how we interact with. Um, you know, content and the web and other people and uh, the technologies. So, absolutely. So now that we know what web VR is, why should we care about it? Like, what's the the compelling reason for a designer or a startup entrepreneur or a developer to be looking into this stuff? Yeah. So, so I I think um, fundamentally, like the web offers uh, a channel of uh, communication that. Um, is is naturally sort of free and open and, uh, you know, does not have any gatekeepers. Anything you want to publish or say or do uh, is up to you, right? Uh, There's there's, there's nobody sort of stopping you from um, being able to sort of publish and say anything. Um, So when I say, like, the the web is sort of ad hoc and and, and flat and offer sort of choice and freedom with what you do. I think, you know, that, that is sort of the critical enabling sort of piece for web VR and, and, and the sort of differentiator um, for the platform. Um, you know, beyond that, there's also the sort of mechanical sort of pieces, right? With it, being able to access content uh, at a URL, right? Mm-hmm. Being able to sort of link to other content and sort of move from one place to another, um, is 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 really important. That sort of low friction environment uh, in which users can operate uh, is really good. Um, so yeah, I think what you're touching on there is that the distribution of the web is completely different from the distribution that we're seeing in more native VR platforms, where you would go to an app store or you would go to the Steam store or something like that. The web is something where you just pull up a browser and you can access this experience. Yeah, that's right. And then the other thing that I think that's a really important part of the web is, uh, you know, the content itself, right? It's 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 the web is a community. It's it's inherently like a participatory and sort of communal sort of uh, of, of um, um, experience where. Uh, you and me have just as much to do with the web and sort of what it is and how it's shaped as, you know, the people that are building the actual sites themselves and hosting that content, right? So there's something very liberating about the um, the way that we can sort of communicate and use it as a medium to sort of express ideas and thoughts and, uh, uh, and how we go about, um, you know, working with each other, right, and sharing information. Yeah, I think you actually said it perfect earlier when you and I were talking before we recorded where you said it wraps all of the things that we love about the web up into one piece of technology, which is that web VR uses open standards. It's free for everybody. There's instant access. Mm -hmm. It's you were talking about participatory and communal aspects, all of these things that we have come to love about the web and how open and inclusive it is, is something that's now being brought to VR through web VR. Yeah. And for a designer like me coming into this technology, teaching myself how to build in the technology that you all are creating right now, the thing that has really blown my mind is first those things that we talked about with like how how it's like everything I love about the web is there and then now it's in virtual reality, but second about how this fundamentally changes how I design and what I can mm-hmm. create. So I recently heard Uh, a really great quote, which went, VR is like a box of crayons. And prior to web VR and to this 3D world that we're working in right now, designers always had three crayons to work with. And that was red, green, and blue, RGB. Right. Now we have a fourth crayon, and that's depth. Right. And when you start to design for depth, It is incredible how it just completely breaks all of the rules that you knew about design and expands upon them. Right. Yeah, no, I find that um, it's it's one of the things that drew me towards VR in the first place. I think as like a playground for design, it's um, something that's completely unexplored, right? It's like sailing into the open ocean. You just don't know where you're going to go. 
um, or, or, or what's going to be out there until you get there. And I think that's one of the most interesting parts about um, uh, you know virtual reality. Um, you know, the, the the web has always been a place for experimentation and people being silly and and, and being playful. You know, um, the 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 um, memes and the sort of culture around mm-hmm. uh, open source and sharing. Uh, I, I I think these are um, sort of good centers for uh, how we will eventually sort of evolve this technology into really sort of practical sort of use. Uh, uses, um, you know, that 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 we will find ourselves, um, you know, using more and more every day. You know, right now today it starts as, as as a little bit of a toy and a party trick, but I think later on, as we sort of evolve into the future of virtual reality content, we're we're, we're going to really find some really amazing sort of uses for it. Um, and 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 uh, I I I really believe that sort of the web uh, and its sort of community uh, is really a, a large part of this enabling. Um, sort of piece for VR. Yeah. So you were talking about use cases a little bit. I think that's Mm -hmm. one of the most compelling things about this technology is how we've already seen some amazing use cases, but how there are so many still to be uncovered. What are like the general use cases that you're seeing with web VR right now? Right. So, I, I mean, there's a lot of like, you know, kittens and, and you know, yelping dogs—that's for sure. Uh, but 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 you know, if you it, it, the, the use cases are are, are really um, a, a, you know they're very similar to the use cases that the sort of web browser already covers that you know maybe other platforms do not do well, right? So when you think about um, uh, you know journalism or news, right, as an example, there's you're not going to want to install an app just to view uh, an article, right? And and you wouldn't want to do the same thing for um, uh, you, you know, perhaps uh, looking at a piece of furniture that you're going to purchase, right? So I think being able to access content um, sort of at a URL uh, instantly is, is is a really sort of major feature of why WebVR will be successful, right? Yeah. Um, that lends itself, obviously, like we were talking about journalism and news, but shopping, uh, real estate, uh, you know, social interactions, right? Uh, being able to talk to and communicate with others um, and uh, being sort of, of, of social um, on the web is, is, is also a big part of, um, you know, why web VR I think would be uh, quite different. Like all the pieces are, are already there. We've got the Facebooks, we've got the Twitter and all these sort of networks already there. We just need to put a different, um, you know, display um, or, or, or different sort of reality yeah. uh, around that, right? Yeah, I mean, so you were talking about journalism, like we know, I believe it's... Uh, the Washington Post early on did a uh, expose on uh, Mars um, and the, the, the rover. So you were uh, put on the surface of Mars and you were able to move around and uh, see the various sort of features of the rover um, and, you know, experience what it might feel like to be on the surface of Mars through the imagery uh, that, you know, was provided by NASA, uh, which is really cool. That's exciting. Um yeah, it's it, 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 this this ability for virtual reality to sort of transport you to another world is a really powerful thing, right? You think about, um, uh, uh, you know, not only places that you can't get to, right? You know, like Mars, but just is you know not having to hop on a plane to get somewhere else that you want to go to, right? And experience it, right? It's 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 a huge enabler for people that just simply can't, you know, mm-hmm. um, experience these. Uh, places uh, for whatever reasons. We know that Shopify is revolutionizing e-commerce by using web VR so that people can see the product in virtual reality, walk around it and all of this stuff before they purchase mm-hmm. it. Uh, Social, you were talking about earlier, Altspace VR is a pretty interesting company right now that yep. allows you to go to meetups together in VR or go to Q&As or watch concerts with people, actual people around you, they're, they're represented by avatars because we haven't really uh, crossed through the uncanny valley yet and gotten to a point where we're able to create models of human faces that people are comfortable with. But you can go to these common spaces with other people and participate in these events. And what's amazing is that Altspace VR will work on an HTC Vive with full room scale, six degrees of freedom. You've got the trackers in your hands. 
and it'll work in a browser on a laptop. You don't even yep. have to have a VR device to participate in this stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I think actually uh, th that's a great point. I think um, one of the, the things that we want to uh, do with virtual reality is be inclusive. And I think um, having a headset and being in virtual reality is pretty prohibitive, you know, from a cost perspective. It's not easy to access this hardware. Um, and, 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 and so I, I, I think, uh, and, and not, not to mention people uh, are not really sort of ready to sort of get into it fully either, right? But, and I think there's lots of opportunity to sort of bring uh, other people uh, into the fold um, through sort of the existing desktop or mobile experience, right? So creating um, an experience that's sort of responsive to the device and really focusing in on the actual experience as a user and creating value there and then onboarding people onto virtual reality, I think is, um, there's a lot of room there to, uh, innovate and, and, and create new ideas um, because at the end of the day, you know, virtual reality as a technology and is a, is, is, is an interesting, um, it's an interesting thing, but, but you, what, what you really want to do is create sort of value for users and, and, and people to experience in virtual reality, right? It can't just be a party trick, right? So uh, having that sort of continuum from people watching from the outside and then sort of slowly bringing them into the medium is, is, is I think, an important part of how we will uh, create sort of success in virtual reality. Yeah, that's one of the most compelling things about WebVR to me is I see, I look at the technological landscape right now and I see all of the sort of like normal average people over here, they're using laptops, they have access to modern browsers and, and all of this stuff, but that's where that ends. That's the web for them. And then yeah. on this other side, I see all of my really, really tech forward friends, which to be clear, it's a very small population. I think something like 500,000 HTC Vive headsets have been sold. So it's, it's a very, very small portion of people. And they've got these full-blown VR setups and they're totally bought in. And yeah. then there's like this huge chasm between those two groups of people. Right. And I see WebVR bridging that divide and being the bridge that takes these users with the devices that they already have and gives them their first taste of virtual reality and says, you don't have to spend, yeah. you know, $3,000 on a computer and another $1,000 on a headset and have this big room in order to do VR. You can do it right now with the devices that you have. Yeah, no, that's right. And I think, um, uh, you, you know, be, beyond actually just uh, bringing users in, even from a workflow perspective, it's been really valuable, right? Um, you know, you might have an HTC Vive and, you know, lots of room at home, uh, but, you know, a lot of times you'll work remotely out of a coffee shop and you just don't have access to that equipment, right? So being able to, like, prototype some ideas and actually get some work done for virtual reality, um, you know, through your desktop uh, and just using your mobile for simple sort of orientation and looking around for prototyping purposes has been super valuable for myself um, and, and, and empowering. And then leaving the sort of last step um, optimizations that, uh, and, and more sort of finite interactions that you can only do in virtual reality uh, at home. Um, but even that's going to change soon. I think um, the, the the newer headsets coming out uh, dispense with a lot of the complexity of uh, some of the room scale setups like the HTC Vive here where you have to have, you know, laser base tracking systems and all the room to perform. Uh, pretty soon we're going to have devices that, that, that have a tracking sort of built into the headset uh, where you don't need anything except the display itself and the USB port. So yeah. I look forward to that. And this, as that uh, technology sort of uh, miniaturizes, it'll also bring more users into the fold as well, just by virtue of being less complex, easier to use, and more accessible. Yeah. That whole story that you were talking about with like working in a coffee shop and being able to prototype something quickly with the devices that you have, that's basically my story with VR is I... It, it's hard to get into full-blown VR development. Um, the tools are really difficult to learn. So I started with Cinema 4D, and then I was teaching myself Unity because I was realizing this is actually happening, and VR and AR are going to change the way that we design. So <laughs> I wanted to teach myself those things. And then I kind of hit a ceiling where it's like, wow, you know, like I'm in Brazil. I, I'm not going to go back to the States for a little while. So it's going to be a while before I can get a headset if I want to do that. So how do I continue teaching myself 
how to right. work in VR and experimenting with things and all of this stuff with what I have. And the answer to that was web VR. Yeah. I, I mean, what do you think about that? Like, do you think it, it, it uh, j- just like today in a modern web development workflow that it's pretty much, you know, for, for, for any sort of uh, web design, um, for any web designer role, you're, you're, you're pretty much expected to use things like, you know, sketch and like Photoshop and tools like that and learn tools like that. Do you think that, you know, for web VR is being part of a sort of full stack web VR developer that, um, you know, learning tools like Cinema 4D or Blender are an acceptable part of getting into virtual reality development? That's a great question. And I, I think that we're probably going to see a spectrum of designers and developers that work in this stuff. Like you're going to need 3D modelers, right? So yeah. that, is, that is a thing that you're going to need. But as I've been getting into the UX side, I've been realizing a little bit more that it's a lot of it is not necessarily knowing how to, you know, model really, really intense stuff in Cinema 4D or create really great physics systems in Unity, but it's understanding how people interact with these systems. And in a lot of ways, I think it's like just getting that first experience of putting yourself into a headset or putting on a Google cardboard and, you know, taking their little tutorial, which shows you what it's like to fly and all of this stuff that changes Mm -hmm. the way that you think. And then the process of creating in web VR is much more straightforward. And I don't think that it necessarily requires this crazy background that we're seeing in a lot of the people that are in the industry right now, which is like, you know, they've been doing VR for like 15, 20 years, doing modeling, doing, uh, you know, cognitive research, whatever it may be. I think that as we see it go more mainstream, that won't quite as much be a requirement. Yeah, I, 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 I think uh, you're, you're right about that because I think maybe the, the sort of expectation of sort of 3D graphics and games and, and the quality that you see, um, you know, that p- uh, part of like the scene uh, creating uh, and the sort of fidelity that, that, that they're able to, to reach with those. I, I, I mean, you know, web development has, has always been, um, you know, it, it's quite a different sort of discipline, right? And you can't really expect the web to be sort of instantly there with, you know, gaming um, in terms of quality of content and, you know, especially with, you know, regards to the visuals parts of it, you know, with the modeling um, and that kind of thing, right? But uh, to your point, you know, e- even with the basic uh, uh, primitives like cubes and spheres and, and laying out the, you know, basic text, uh, you can play and experiment with a lot of, interactions, um, you know, minus all that sort of whiz-bang uh, sort of visual stuff that you get in, you know, your, your, your games. And I think, you know, there's an opportunity for the web, um, just as the 2D web has, uh, develop its own aesthetic that sort of fits its capabilities, right? And not necessarily copying um, a lot of what we see out there in games. Yeah. You know what I think along those lines is really exciting is if you think about it, as we build the web, we're building the web in devices that use the web. So you create these web experiences, these 2D experiences on the same device that consumes these web and 2D experiences. Right now, we're doing a little bit of a weird thing because we're creating virtual reality experiences on a, you know, a web or 2D device like a laptop. And we're already starting to see this trend to move a little bit away from that. Uh, where there are tools now, like people are repurposing Tilt Brush, where they're creating entire experiences or prototypes. They're like sketching out VR prototypes in Tilt Brush. Or there's an entirely new app that just came out. I'll link to it in the description of the podcast. That's just for prototyping VR designs in VR. The idea being that you create the VR experience in the VR medium. At that point, I think we're going to find that the barrier to entry for 3D modeling and physics and all the stuff we were talking about in Cinema 4D or 3DS Max or Unity, it's going to get a lot lower because you'll be able to be in that environment. One of the weirdest things about Cinema 4D right now is that you're working through a proxy. So you're creating a 3D experience or a 3D model in a 2D device. And that's not intuitive, but that changes when you're working in VR. 
Yeah, and, and, and as someone that develops tools, I mean, that's really my goal, right, as, as a designer, is I want to be able to take what you have in your head and ideas, concepts, and that sort of thing, and be able to sort of articulate them uh, into uh, a result. And I think the shorter uh, uh, that you can make that process, the more effective um, you know, your final out- output uh, will be, right? Making a highly iterative uh, sort, of, um, um, uh, uh, sort of process where uh, you experiment and uh, uh, iterate on designs in, in, in a uh, super rapid fashion, right? And especially if you're directly sort of manipulating objects in virtual reality space, that really enables that uh, at another level. If you really think about um, computer and sort of web development, you know, these proxies that you talk about, like Cinema 4D, uh, you know, your text editor, I mean, th- these are all sort of um, um, abstractions of, uh, you know, how that content is going to be displayed. And, and, and that's always going to be a barrier to a lot of people, right? Using the mouse is a barrier mm-hmm. to a lot of people. Like you, a, a lot of people that, you, you know, you might be super well versed with using a paintbrush, but that doesn't mean that you'll be able to really, you know, do great things in Photoshop, right? Yeah. Um, you know, um, a, a person that uh, works in clay, right? Or a person that works in wood, um, you know, th- they might not have the patience um, you know, to stick with computers to try to uh, transfer those skills into sort of the digital domain. And virtual reality offers that ability to uh, bring those artists and those designers uh, into the fold in a way that, you know, normal computers just can't and won't, right? Yeah. So kind of going along these lines of accessibility and lowering the barrier to entry, aside from working on WebVR, that's actually the main thing that you're focusing on is lowering that barrier to entry and letting people develop in VR through a framework that you're creating called A-Frame, which is basically like the best framework for WebVR, as you would imagine if it's created by the people that are working on the technology itself. And that's what I've been using to create WebVR experiences myself. So tell us a little bit about that. Like what is A-Frame? Why is it compelling? Why should devs start learning and designers start learning to create an A-frame? Yeah, so the, the sort of original genesis of the idea was that when we f- first got into uh, the idea of WebVR um, and were sort of confronted with the tools that were available to us, you know, WebGL and 3JS uh, in particular, um, we, we saw that there was an opportunity here to sort of simplify um, 3D sort of development and be able to open it up and make it more accessible to people that aren't familiar with a lot of the concepts um, around um, 3D content creation. I mean, you know, web design uh, in in sort of two dimensions is is quite different than, you know, WebGL and 3D development fundamentally, right? There's a lot of um, new knowledge that needs to be sort of built up before you can be um, productive in a sort of 3D situation. So what we want to do with A-Frame is to lower that barrier of entry um, to, to make it easier for those web developers to transfer their skills, um, you know, using HTML uh, and JavaScript uh, and make those sort of applicable in, in, in sort of a simple form um, through the web browser, Right. Um, and, and, and in doing this, we, we, we also wanted to, like, WebVR is a platform, um, you know, we, we saw A-Frame as sort of like a, a bootstrap uh, to uh, WebVR and, and get people interested in developing that content, right, uh, without having to learn all the sort of complexity of the tools that uh, you would normally associate with 3D development. Yeah. So to sort of put A-Frame in a nutshell, it's... From my point of view, it's this amazing framework that sort of takes all of the really difficult stuff that would come with like learning WebGL or 3JS or whatever and wraps it up so that you don't have to deal with any of that and then allows you to write documents that look like HTML. In fact, I found it to be much more straightforward than HTML. And then add in a little bit of JavaScript and create a fully interactive WebVR experience to the point where I'm, I'm talking like you can start with a blank document in Sublime Text, 
or whatever your text editor is. Mm -hmm. And then within five or six hours, you can have an experience live on the web. And I'm talking a real experience. If you want to start with a boilerplate, you can get that thing live in, you know, three minutes. But you could create a VR experience over the course of a day, no problem, in A-Frame VR, and then push it live, and it's accessible to anybody with an internet connection. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's even easier than that. We've got code pen examples where you can just simply click the link and actually start coding, right? And being able to see those results immediately is is really powerful, right? Um, And uh, I think the the simplicity of A-frame and the sort of resemblance to uh, HTML is enabled by, you know, another web technology, again, uh, web components that allows for us to create these sort of custom elements and in the back end of it create... Um, all the sort of 3D graphics that's required to power that uh, and just sort of simplify it and abstract it into some one single line of uh, HTML text. So it's a really powerful sort of starting point. Uh, but beyond that, it's also got a sort of component architecture sort of model that's uh, very similar to Unity in its extensibility. So uh, beyond just creating sort of the primitive uh, spheres and cubes and, you know, ability to attack, attach uh, um textures and interactions to uh, those primitives. We've also got this uh, extensible sort of component architecture that allows you to build in new functionality uh, into A-Frame. So you're seeing all sort of different control schemes with different types of controllers. Uh, People built in uh, leap motion um, uh, capabilities so you can use your hands to interact with objects. Um, Terrain generation, right? So if you want to be able to create an environment that uh, has mountains, you'll be able to just specify an entity uh, with a terrain uh, sort of component, and it'll generate all the landscape around you, um, as well as the you know sky and environment to, to go along with that. So it becomes this really um, uh, a simple sort of entry point, but also a powerful sort of tool for. Uh, people to sort of extend their capabilities into as well as they pick up and learn more about 3D uh, web development. Yeah. And then going beyond that, if you want to create more complex models using Magic of Voxel or Unity or Cinema 4D or whatever, Blender, pick your tool, you can export those models and then put them live in A-Frame and make them available on the web and part of the scene that you're creating. So it kind of brings all of this stuff together. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, compatibility with um, other sort of content creation tools is a uh, a very sort of good example um, of how people have been extending uh, A-Frame. So being able to bring that model in um, and easily include it with a single line of HTML markup is a really powerful thing. So we see a lot of people that are, uh, you know, 3D content creators, you know, Blender artists and things like that, taking these uh, 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 designs that they've created for games and, and, and um, other sort of applications and then displaying them uh, in a single line uh, on the web uh, with a simple line of uh, HTML markup. It's a, it's a really powerful thing. Yeah. A big part of what I love about the phase that we're at with web VR and VR in general is that as you all are working to increase the functionality and the accessibility and lower the barrier to entry, because we're so early and we're still at that stage, the problems that we're tackling, not just on the tech side, like what we were just discussing, but also on the design and user experience side Mm. are huge. Like, this is the last time I felt like this was when I was like 11 years old and I created my first HTML document and I realized I could create a fake business (laughs) on the web and I could look completely legitimate. It just changes everything. It's a complete game changer to the point where like we're we're talking about problems like responsiveness in virtual reality or audio. How does audio impact VR experiences. That's something that you would never see audio as like a positive part of a web experience in the past, but actually it's very, very, very important in VR. We're, we're asking questions right. like, how do 
the Raycasters work. Like you don't have a mouse mm-hmm. in virtual reality. So it's all about gaze and how do those function? And then how do, how do you know an element is interactive? How does a link work? Is it still a blue right. piece of text? These are big questions that we're asking. Yeah, and, and I think you know that that's another uh, sort of reason why we created A-Frame is to give uh, people a uh, or, or, or content creators a way to sort of experiment with some of these ideas. Because uh, right now um, the APIs really only allow for displaying of that content, right? But it doesn't define um, sort of in, any interaction sort of models. And I think in, uh, you know that 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 was done very unpurposely to enable people to sort of experiment with the ideas of how to get around to a space, right? How do you highlight objects uh, to users to know that they're interactable? Uh, how do you know if, you, if you're supposed to sort of point and click at it or you're supposed to grab it, you know? Um, so, so I think those kind of questions are, are, are still very much open, right? So we want to, um, uh, along with the community, experiment with these ideas and create, um, you know, s- standard sort of interaction uh, design models that we can um, sort of borrow and and remix and repurpose for our own sort of uses. And hopefully in doing that, we're going to end up with uh, a set of uh, standard sort of interactions that we can start to look at, you know, solidifying into sort of more the, the, the deeper sort of, 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 of uh, platforms or features within the browser itself, right? But until that happens, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty much a free-for-all for, you know, content developers to experiment and explore. Yeah. It makes me think of these, these discussions that we've been having amongst the design community lately that goes something like, we actually discussed this in a previous episode and I really ripped on it pretty hard, but basically designers have this total angst for the industry right now because they feel like there's no creativity. There's no variance. There's nothing that's new or interesting. Nobody's breaking any rules because the UX patterns are established. This is that next medium where there are no rules and the creativity and the the solutions and patterns that we're seeing are just insane. Like the UX patterns yeah. don't really exist right now. And so it feels to me again, like the early web, you know, when it was like, hey, am I going to have, a, you know, an entrance page to my website? Am I going to have blinking text? Am I going to have a marquee? Whatever. These are the types of crazy things that people are experimenting with right now. Yeah, no, very much so. And I think that like those th- this is the most exciting part about being involved in web VR. It offers such a sort of palette of possibilities in terms of what you can do with it and exploring some of these ideas that um I think as a designer um you know, th- th- this is sort of the the holy land for experimentation, right? So if you want to sort of be the inventor of some of these new patterns and these new rules and, 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 and how people sort of move around and experience uh, virtual reality, I think this is the place to be as a designer. I, it, it, there's no question that there's... Um, that there's sort of ample opportunity to shape what the web looks like and, and, and actually the medium, uh, virtual reality medium in itself, right? Absolutely. Um, I think that's a really powerful um, uh, sort of responsibility um, that any sort of designer can hop on, join in, and, and, and sort of explore. Yeah, that's where we're at right now is we're defining this medium. And I saw an excellent quote the other day from one of the creators of a VR film called Alumet. And he said, as we were creating this film, first we realized that the characters in the film were no longer just the characters anymore. The set itself Mm -hmm. became a character. The environment is a character. They're learning these new things. And he was like, as we were going through that, we started to feel like we were trying to paint a painting while still designing the paintbrush. And that's where we're at right now. It's like you're creating in a medium that is still being created. And this is important because this is our opportunity to define this medium. And the weight of that responsibility is huge because this is a massive technological revolution that is happening before our eyes, similar to the likeness of the transition from print to digital. I'm not kidding. For anybody listening, designers, engineers, 
I am fully bought in that that is the level of transformation that we're going through right now to the point where this is going to fundamentally change people's lives. And being able to be a part of that is an incredible opportunity. Yeah, absolutely agree. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's incredible the the pace at which uh, the technology is moving, and you know as we make the shift from you know an experimental sort of technology where you know the ergonomics are clumsy and uh, y- you know the cost of the equipment is high uh, into a sort of more accessible technology where these things will be embedded in your glasses and perhaps your uh, contact lenses, and it becomes a more sort of acceptable form of interacting with computing and 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 uh information and the technology i i i think that sort of revolution will start really quite soon and and we're we're going to start seeing if um uh the realization of uh you know 30 years of science fiction um within the next few years and that in itself is mind blowing yeah another cool thing about this that doesn't get as much attention because the tech and the content is just so incredible right now is that the WebVR community and the A-Frame community is really pretty incredible. It's an open source community and it's very small and it's very smart people, very hardworking people, very helpful and enthusiastic people that want to create incredible things and they, they want you to create incredible things with them. And that's what I've loved about building in WebVR and with A-Frame is, again, I keep going back to this, maybe it's like some form of nostalgia, but it feels <laughs> like the old web again, where it's just this very organic mm-hmm. grassroots thing where corporate interests aren't involved. The the mainstream right. media is not involved in you know, trying to capitalize on it or bring scandals into it or ruin it or something like that. It's, it's, it's completely organic right now. And it's a very uh, communal thing yeah no it, it very do, it very much does resemble the early days of the web and geocities and and this uh, uh provides a sort of new form of expression for people right um i i i think that's like a huge part of um it's very nostalgic for myself as well for those very same reasons uh but we also have to look towards the sort of practical realities of what we need to solve for yeah, as well absolutely um you know if you, if you take a look at um uh, the, the the sort of VR platforms currently with the Oculus and uh, HTC Vive uh, with Steam, um, the Google Play Store, um, they offer ways to sort of monetize your content easily in a way that you know doesn't that, that isn't easily solved with the web, right? Um, you know, there, there's also the issue of like how you um, deal with um, identity you know, on the web, you know, what is your sort of persona on the web and how is that going to work in a virtual environment, right? So there's a lot of those sort of challenges that also really need to be sort of solved for um, because ultimately, I think at the end of the day, uh, the web, uh, you know, it's it's absolutely a sort of form of of free expression and of ideas and and personality, but it is also like a a engine for commerce and business and, 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 uh, uh, you know, uh, information. And I think that's really important um, that we also uh, try to solve those problems along the way. Um, Otherwise, you know, the web uh, also risks um, not being sort of competitive in those spaces as well. Yeah, that's so So true. we, We have to solve that. That's something I've enjoyed doing at HubSpot, actually, is like after building this sort of proof of concept, we decided to take on a web VR project and try to figure out for ourselves, what can we do with this medium? You know, how does this change the way that we teach people about our product? Is this medium something that you directly monetize or is it more experiential and the monetization happens somewhere else? It really, really is a place that we're exploring right now for those reasons. And I, I completely agree with you. Like that is ultimately what's going to make this relevant and competitive. It's what's going to cause people to pay attention to it is when those interests can be fulfilled. No, exactly. And I think, I think uh, to, to, to ignore that is, is you know, a, a foolish thing to do. So I think, you know, the, these are some of the things that we're thinking a lot about at Mozilla and trying to sort of work through. Um, and, you know, using... Uh, virtual reality as a uh, opportunity to do that is is something that um, 
you know, we encourage everybody to try to look into and, and help us solve, right? I think, you know, our uh, agenda is completely open how we want to evolve WebVR, uh, and we're encouraging our participation, you know, whether it's through the actual content development frameworks or the standards uh, that we're creating. Um, and uh, I, I think that's, you know, one of the things that make uh, the web unique and Mozilla unique um, is, is that mission to be uh, completely sort of forward about um, our intents and how we're going to go about them. So, you know, th- these are the things that um, we want the community to contribute uh, to as much as, you know, ourselves doing the work as well. Yeah, I think I can speak on behalf of my entire audience here and saying a genuine thank you to you and to the entire team at Mozilla. You all have always been focused on creating a better web in a very open and honest and transparent way. And the benefits that it has spread throughout the web that have even been eaten up by other corporations are just insane. So it is, I, I don't think that there could be a better nonprofit organization working on this technology and it's exciting to have you guys on the job. Yeah, well, 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 thank you for that. And I think that, um, you know, going forward, um, I, I look forward to everybody's sort of participation and jumping in and we're always here to help and listen to the community and what you guys have to say and, and, and hopefully sort of incorporate uh, a lot of what your contributions into uh, the efforts that we have. Like, you know, the, the one thing about sort of web VR is that it's a community effort. No one person owns this. Um, and um, the opportunities are there for anybody to sort of participate in that uh, discussion. So speaking of participation, if people want to get in touch with you, learn about WebVR, where are the, the great places that they should go to? Yeah, so uh, for myself, uh, probably the best way to get a hold of me is through my Twitter. Uh, so that's at Huyi, so W-H-O-Y-E-E. Um, the team Twitter is uh, Mozilla VR. Um, A-Frame is aframe.io. You can get to it through the website um, and uh, A-Frame VR on Twitter. Awesome. I will put all of those links in the description. If for some reason you all want to get in touch with us, we have an email address. It's hello at uxandgrowth.com. And of course, we're always happy to talk on Twitter. Until next time, thank you for listening and have a great rest of your day. We'll be right back.